welcome to the UNT BSM audio resources. If you want more information on the BSM, you can go to untbsm.com. Thanks for listening. So tonight we're going to be diving into the book of 1 John. Uh, we are in week two of our reading in Scripture of 1 John. Last semester, for those of you maybe who weren't here or maybe you've forgotten, last semester we walked through the Gospel of John. Okay, so this might get a little confusing. Um, the Gospel of John is different than the, the letter of 1 John. Okay, so the Gospel of John is like a narrative story about the life of Jesus. And we looked at all of these things that Jesus claimed about himself. And our theme last semester was, what did Jesus claim to be? Who did he claim to be? What did he say about himself? Right? If Jesus claimed something about himself, maybe we should listen instead of telling Jesus who he is. Right? That so many faiths in all of the world claim things about Jesus. And so last semester we looked at what does the Bible, what does the word of God actually say about himself? Who did Jesus claim to be? Maybe there are some of you here tonight that maybe you're not Christian or you're here to learn about Christianity or maybe you're not sure, you doubt, or you're confused. And this is a safe place to be to ask questions. Who is God? Who am I? In last semester, we looked at who Jesus was and who he claimed to be, and we saw that he claimed to be God. That's a pretty crazy claim to make. If I started doing that, you would all think that I was crazy, right? If I started running around claiming to be God in the flesh, that would be a little crazy. Unless what I was claiming was true, right? And so we looked at the life of Jesus and we saw that he claimed to be God. And in many, many, many ways he proved that to be true. But some people, of course, in the world and on campus here don't believe that. And so then what do we do with Jesus? He's either Lord, right? We talked about this last semester. He's either a liar. And if he's a liar, he's the greatest deceiver of all time. He's been deceiving millions of people for thousands of years. Or he's a lunatic, right? He's crazy. And even then, he's convinced a lot of other people to follow himself. And so we looked at the book of John and we saw that Jesus claimed to be God. And he said, all who would believe in me will have eternal life, will have salvation and peace and joy in their life. And then what the Bible teaches and what us as Christians claim, as crazy as it may sound, is that Jesus died on the cross, uh, was buried, and then rose from the grave three days later, and then 40 days after that actually disappeared, ascended into heaven is what we would claim, but he disappeared. So now what? What do we do now? Right? As Christians, as people, maybe you claim to follow this Jesus, what do we do now? And maybe some of you are here tonight to learn about what does the Christianity teach? What does the Bible actually teach about what I should do and how I should live? This letter of 1 John was written to answer those questions. For us now waiting for the return of Christ. For those of us now waiting for judgment to come. For those of us who are waiting for that day, what do we do? Are we to just continue living life like we've been living or are we called to live a certain way? 
So that's what First John, for the rest of the semester, as we walk through, is going to address. And each week he's going to build on key ideas and then circle back around. He's going to build on key ideas and he's going to repeat himself. And so as we walk through the semester, you're gonna, it's kind of like circular, right? He's going to make a claim about God. He's going to make a claim about us. He's going to say, because of these things, you should live like this. Because this is who God is. And because this is who God is, this is who you are, and you should live like this. Because this is who God is, so you should live like this. Right? And it's going to be a circular, he's going to walk through it in a circular fashion throughout the book. And so as we dive in tonight, we're going to see that. And so our theme this semester is so that you may know. To give you some context, I know there are some new people here. Stephanie, last week, our director, who's not here tonight, um, she opened us up in the letter of First John, verses 1 through 4, and talked about a little bit about the context of this letter, that John was writing to a group of believers who were struggling in their faith, who were being deceived, who had been told about Jesus, who had been told about who Jesus was, who they were, how they were to live, and they were being deceived to live a different way, to believe a different thing than what Jesus taught. And the big fancy word for this belief that these people were being deceived into was called Gnosticism. And that starts with a G. Gnosticism with a G. And one of the key elements of this was this secret knowledge. In order to attain salvation, you have to have a secret knowledge. Right? What Jesus had told you was great, but you need more. And only those who obtain the secret knowledge will actually truly find salvation. And right from the beginning of this letter, John is saying, no, 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 no. You've already been given all of the knowledge that you need. You don't need anything else. It's that simple. And so we're going to see that as we walk through the text tonight. So that you may know that you're a child of God. So that you may know that you're loved. So that you may know that you have eternal life. So that you may know the difference between darkness and light. And that's the theme of our semester as we walk through the the letter of 1 John. So that you may know who the one true God is. But before we get into that and talking about this kind of deception, I wanted to talk about one of the biggest lies ever told in the world, okay? That there's this man who's been lying for centuries, this man who's been deceiving people, and oftentimes people are deceiving other people on this man's behalf. This man has deceived many people in this room at one point in their life. And that man's name is Santa Claus, okay? So for those of you who... Uh, Maybe I'm bursting your bubble. Maybe you didn't know that. Santa Claus is not real. Sorry. But as a kid growing up in America, my parents taught me about Santa Claus, and they said, Jay, if you don't be good, you're going to get coal from Santa. But if you behave, you'll get a present. And of course, that affected the way I lived. I was the firstborn. I was a really good kid. I followed all the rules so that I could get the presents in December, right? Maybe some, of you, maybe some of you in here were like that. Maybe some of you didn't care about Santa, right? Maybe some of you came quickly 
You know, you heard it the very first time and were like, mom and dad, that's crazy, okay? But I think many of us didn't think that. We believed our parents, right? We trusted them. We loved them. They loved us. Why would they deceive me, right? And this idea, this deception of Santa isn't just in the West, but it's beginning to spread. So in my two years in Kenya, um, every year around Christmas time in the malls there, Santa would start to pop up. And I actually have a picture. I actually met Santa. I don't know if you guys knew that. You just have to take my word for it. And there I am with Kenyan Santa. I found him in a mall. He was very hot and very sweaty because where I was in Kenya, at this time of the year in December, it is summer. And we are in an outdoor mall. He is dressed in a Santa costume that's more culturally appropriate. And uh, yeah, he was, he was not having a good day. Kids were coming and sitting on his lap and telling him all sorts of things, and he hated it. So when I actually came up and talked to him, he was extremely surprised that a white guy walked up and sat next to him on that bench. And I talked to him for a while, and we laughed, and we were having a good time. And uh, eventually, um, I asked if I could take some pictures with him, and I, this is one of the ones that I took, and uh, just wanted to show you guys that. But that this, this idea of Santa is growing all over the world. But we also are deceived in other ways, especially as children, we're easily deceived, right? One of the funny things, maybe this isn't funny, it's pretty funny to me, and my friends in Kenya found it really funny. Growing up in Kenya, many of them, especially if they were from more of the country or a rural village, Many of them said that their parents told them, not about Santa, but if they don't behave, the white man will come and eat them. <laughs> and, and I say that, um, it, it, it's, it's, it's comical. My friends who were Kenyan thought it was hilarious. I didn't, I didn't necessarily think it was very funny, um, but they found it hilarious. They were like, yeah, as kids, we're all told that. And I was like, oh, Okay. And I actually experienced this when I was there in Kenya. I was in a smaller town outside, like a suburb of the big capital. And I was going into this house um, of some friends. And they had like a four-year-old son who, when he saw me walk into their house, I've never seen such terror. (laughs) The eyes got big. He started screaming and ran out the door. And, of course, his parents thought it was hilarious. They were like, oh, yeah, he's scared of you. (laughs) But I say all of this because this is the topic of 1 John. Not about deceiving children on purpose to make them behave. But that 1 John, the author, John, is writing to people who are being deceived. He's trying to open their minds to reveal to them the truth, remind them of who God is and how they are to live. And just like this belief in doctrine in Santa leads little children to live certain ways, to obey, to be good, our doctrine, our view, our understanding of who God is impacts every area of our life. It impacts the way we live, it impacts the way we love others, it impacts the way we view other people. That the doctrine of God is maybe the most important thing 
about you. Your view of who God is, or if there even is a God, defines everything about you. And maybe you don't think that, maybe you've never thought of that, right? But we're going to see here in this text tonight, that's an extremely long intro, okay? I went a little longer, I enjoy telling stories. But we're going to see in the text tonight, and especially in small groups, I want you guys to really unpack this and walk through it, that there are three things in this text that John is addressing, right? So right from the very beginning, John is addressing three things to these people. Kind of the three errors of sin, and tonight our our idea is so that you may know what is light and what is dark. So that you may know what it means to walk in light and to walk in darkness. And these are the three things. It's actually really simple. When you read this tonight in group, and we'll read it here in a second, it's really clear. John lays it out really nice and easy to follow along. Right? The number one thing he mentions is we do not think sin affects our relationship with God or others. That's the thing that they have been deceived. These people have been deceived to believe this. That their sin doesn't affect their life. That their sin doesn't affect their walk with God. It doesn't affect their walk with other people. That sin's not a big deal. And a few verses down, it's, it talks about we deny as people that we are sinful in nature. Right? This is a big one in our culture today. That we claim that we are good and pure like God. That there's nothing wrong with us. That I can choose to be good, and if I choose to be good, that's enough. Maybe some people believe that they're neutral and they have the choice to be good or bad. And the third error or deceit that John is addressing is we deny that we are sinful in our conduct. Okay, maybe I'll give you that I have done some wrong things, but I've changed and there's nothing wrong about me anymore. My conduct doesn't impact, doesn't lead to sin. Everything I do is good now. So I have the ability to get into heaven. And so let's go ahead and dive in and read the text. So I'm reading out of the little white Bible that is on the chair here. And our text for today is going to be on, let's see here, what page? It's towards the back of the Bible. What's on the screen? Oh, Bible 591. Okay, that's helpful. Okay. So let's flip to 1 John on page 591. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to read those first four verses that we read last week because I think it segues us perfectly into why is he saying what he's saying, okay? So let's read this on page 591, 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through, uh, and we're going to read through chapter 2, verse 2. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life. That was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and we have heard we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. This is why John's writing this letter so that they may have fellowship with God's people and with God himself. 
So starting in verse 3 again, that which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. Indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Right? So he's writing these things so that they may have fellowship with God and that their joy may be complete. And so this is our text for today, starting in verse 5. It says this. So what is this message that John has heard? What is this message that he has come to share? This is it. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Chapter 2. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation. Can everyone say that word? Propitiation. Okay? It's a big word that only appears a few times in the Bible. This is one of them. He is the propitiation for our sins. Not only for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Stephanie shared this last week, that one of the big themes in John, and I'll repeat it here again, is that he is writing so that they that these people can have a right doctrine or a right view or a right belief in God which will lead to obedient living and fervent devotion to God. And so we see here that what is this message that John has come to proclaim? It's actually really a short, it's, only a, it's a really short message, right? That God is light. And so we can think all the time, well, what, is, what do you mean, John? Do you mean like, like God is coming out of those bulbs right now? Like God's hitting me in the face? I don't think that's what he's saying. I don't think we can take that literally. But this is an image to help us understand who God is. And so when I think of light, when I think of right, light reveals something, right? If there's something in my teeth, this light is going to reveal it to all of you, all right? And none of you will probably tell me, okay? But that's what light does. Light hits things, and everything it touches and hits, it reveals all. Nothing can be hidden. It exposes things that are in the darkness for what they really are, right? That when the Jewish people, when we look at the Old Testament, when they thought and they see the word light, the image of light for God... They think of good, holy, true, pure. Those are the things that light are. And if you want to get really technical, which some of you maybe are science 
majors here, and so I hope I, I say this right. I was a business student, so please forgive me. But really, um, what is darkness? The absence of light, right? And so there's no possible way in this image for God to both be light and dark. That our God isn't like this dualistic God who's constantly battling back and forth against Satan, trying to overpower one, and Satan's trying to overpower God. Or he's not dueling within himself. That this God is separate from darkness. And everything that this God touches and reveals and impacts is made known, is seen clearly. And so in this image of what God is like, it's to help us understand a God who is, but where else in the Bible? The Bible would also describe God to be spirit. Well, what, what does that mean, right? Later in this book, it'll say God is love. Well, what does that mean? When I love Taco Bell, does that mean I God Taco Bell, right? That these are all images for a God who is so big, who is so grand, who is so glorious, that we need help understanding who he is. And so we have these images, and so tonight's image is God is light, and in him is no darkness. And so John is reminding them of who God really is because they are being deceived by those around them. And so many people think the idea that God is distant, that God is far away, that God is a God who wound the clock and stepped back, that's a really common belief in our culture today. And this is a common belief all over the world, actually. That the Creator, the Most High God, cannot be known, so I have to figure out how to save myself. But this is what John is saying. That the God of the universe who created all things has entered in as Jesus. Has proven Himself true and worthy to be followed. And because of those things... We can believe in this Jesus. And so then we dive in and we'll just quickly walk through these, starting in verse 6. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. And so in this error that we just talked about, the error of um, claiming to walk with God while we're actually walking in darkness, we deny that sin breaks our fellowship with God. And so he's saying to them, stop calling yourselves Christians. Stop claiming to be God followers when you're clearly not. And he says, if this is you, if you have been deceived into believing this, verse 7, he says, know this, believe this, that this is the true message from God. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Know this. Believe this. And so there's that word sin. And that's a a word that we oftentimes maybe misunderstand or don't fully grasp. And I have a little image as well here. You know, the word sin actually means missing the mark. And so what that means is you're aiming for a bullseye. You're aiming to hit something and and you miss, right? And so this is kind of the image for us as people, that we are aiming for the target, 
And see, that guy is stressing out. He is not having a good day. He's missed a lot of times. Look at him. He is just not doing well. That this is what the word sin means. It means to miss the mark. That sin is more than just doing wrong things. I think oftentimes we think sin is doing wrong things. So if I just do enough good things, I'm without sin. But where we miss the mark isn't just in our conduct, but it's in our devotion, in our worship. That the things we crave, the things we desire the most in our life, if I could just have this one thing, my life would be perfect. That is what we are worshiping. And so what sin is, is that you're missing the mark. You're missing the mark. You're missing the point. You're missing God. That you were created to be a certain way, to act a certain way, to worship a certain way, to love a certain way, and you've missed the mark. And so, of course, that shows itself in our actions for when we do something wrong or we do something that's not kind or unloving or wicked, that shows that we have missed the mark. But deep down, sin is a much deeper issue than doing bad things. And so John is saying that this deceit, that my sin doesn't impact my relationship and standing before God is a lie. That your sin impacts your relationship with God. Your sin is the reason that you don't have peace with God. And that you should walk in the light as God is in the light. And he says here in verse 7, like we just read, if you walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Isn't that interesting? If you're truly walking in the light, you are walking with other believers. But not only that, this blood of Jesus has cleansed you of all of that sin, of all of that rebellion, of all of that wickedness. And so this is where it gets tough because some of you maybe in here have been hurt by the church. Maybe some of you have been hurt by believers. Maybe some of you have um, been pushed away or rejected. Maybe you come into the church and you're vulnerable and you get hurt. And that happens. And I'm sorry. But that doesn't change what God is saying here. That we've all been called to be in fellowship with God and His people. And for some of you, maybe this is where you're at. You've you have been walking in darkness, or maybe you claim to be a Christian, or maybe you are a Christian and you're kind of trapped in this, I would encourage you to run. Run away from it. If you're looking for a church here in Denton, if you're looking for community here in Denton, come talk to me. Come talk to one of the staff members here. Talk to your connect group leader. Because this is vital for your walk with God. And so then we jump into verse 8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Right? We are denying the, the sin that exists in our nature. We naturally desire things over God. And that's what this is saying. Is that we all desire things more than God. Whether that's love, whether that's power, whether that's relationship, whether that's success, whether that's to be known. We all desire things more than God. And that's what this is. That's what sin is. But this is not what our culture in America wants to hear, right? And I don't have time to dive into that, but maybe you can talk about that in your small group. 
Right? Our culture says, I'm mostly a good person. I do more good than bad. I think we, as people, are neutral in our nature, and we choose to be good or evil. Right? It's our choice. This is what our culture says and wants us to believe, and this is what these people in the first century were struggling with as well. And then in verse 9, because of this deceit, know this, believe this, right here in verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. That we should come and confess that we cannot save ourselves, that we don't have the ability to do enough good things, that we will never hit the mark. That's what he's saying here. He's telling you, run to God, confess, humble yourself. And he is faithful and just to forgive us. But do we really believe that about God? Do we really believe that he is faithful and just to forgive us? Do you really believe that he will cleanse you of all unrighteousness? And then the last one here in verse 10, it says, If we say we have not sinned, we make him being God a liar, and his word is not in us. And what he's saying here is we deny that sin shows itself in our conduct. What we worship, again, going back to what is really what is sin, it's idolatry, it's what we worship, it's what we desire more than God. That is eventually displayed in our life. We can only hide it for so long, and eventually it comes roaring out. What we truly love and worship and desire. And so because of this deceit, he says, know this. Listen to this, starting in chapter 2. My little children. Right? I am writing these things so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin which he's already told us that everyone will. So he's writing it, hoping that they don't sin any longer. But when they do, when they stumble, when they fall, we have an advocate, someone who goes before us, someone who is a mediator, someone who stands between us and God. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And in verse 2, he is the propitiation for our sins. This word propitiation um, means there's, a, there's a, a couple ways we could describe it, but I think the easiest way is to say that Jesus' death, Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, and specifically his death on the cross, satisfied God's wrath for us. That because we were sinners, Christ died for us. That we deserved death, that we deserved punishment, that we deserved the wrath of God, And the word propitiation means Jesus turned that wrath towards himself. And not only for us, not only ours, but also the sins of the whole world. And there's some people will say, well, Jesus came to die for everyone in the entire world, right? Well, I think what this is saying, it's clearly that's not what the rest of Scripture says. But again, going back to Gnosticism. They believed that only those who could be saved had to have this special knowledge. And what John is saying here, that this knowledge has been given. And all who would hear it 
their sins can be forgiven. And so that this message isn't just for the secret, isn't just for the special, that this message is for all people. So when it comes to these three errors and deceit, many of us want our relationship with God to be easy. We want God and this. I'll believe and follow God as long as I can hold on to this. And so to end tonight, I would ask you, do one of these three deceits mark your life? And maybe there's something else not addressed here, right? John was writing this letter to a specific group of people who were struggling and being deceived by specific things. So maybe there's something else. Maybe there's something else in our culture that has caught your attention. Maybe the aroma has drawn you away from God or enticed you to believe a different thing about who Jesus is. And so for some of you who are here walking in darkness, why continue? Why not run? Why not get out? And if you're struggling with that again, please come talk to me. Come talk to one of the staff members. Talk to your connect group leader. But that's why I'm here. Right? I live in Fort Worth. I come up here Tuesdays and Thursdays for this very purpose. And don't make very much money doing it. So again, Christians believe this. Hold fast to the truth of the gospel. So those of you who are not Christians, you have heard the basics of the Christian faith. And I want to ask you to consider these things. Right? That maybe what I'm saying sounds like deceit. Maybe I'm trying to deceive everyone here to you. But it's not deceit if it's true. And I would ask you to consider these things to think about these things, to ponder these things. There's a reason this, is, this belief, this faith has continued on. Even till today. So my question is, who are you going to believe? Are you going to believe John here? Are you going to believe that what Jesus said about himself is true? Are you going to be swayed by the ways of the world, the things that people are saying in our culture? John tells us all of this so that we may believe, so that we can have right doctrine, which leads to obedient living and fervent devotion for God. Let's pray. Lord, I just come to you now thankful for your word, thankful that you're a God who did not just leave us to figure out how to save ourselves. Because you knew there was no way for us to save ourselves, and so you entered in. You didn't let us just continue to wander in darkness. That you have made yourself known. That you are a God of light that reveals all things, that nothing is hidden before you. So God, I pray that we would run to you, that we would not run and hide from the light, that we would trust in your word and trust in who you are. So we thank you for the things. Amen.